0: All right, welcome back, guys. This is Drag Ocean. This is the Labrador Energy Podcast. And we're going to talk about some uh, very interesting stuff today. I myself have somewhat limited knowledge about this particular topic, and the particular topic is artificial intelligence, right? So I have Dennis with me today, who's all the way from San Francisco. Is That's that correct. correct yeah. And Dennis is going to help us learn a bit more about artificial intelligence. He's going to explain to us a bit more what he's currently doing and uh, how he's spending his time in this direction. So Dennis, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Dennis. Um,
1: I um, I spent the past six years in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, originally from Germany here. So it's good to be back in Berlin. Okay. So you speak German? I do. Okay. Perfect. What, what was the catalyst? So the catalyst was, I think in 2015, I listened to the Sam Harris podcast mm-hmm. and he had a fascinating guest on. His name is David Deutsch. He's a physicist at Oxford. and um, And they were talking about knowledge and they were talking about um, uh, artificial intelligence and what it really means and it got me it got me so interested in the topic um, it it just kind of became a hobby horse of mine to kind of think about during the day Um, never really took it all that seriously like i never made it an actual part of my life Mm -hmm. but um, i was hooked in a way and so then i reached out to to david and he was actually nice enough to talk to me Um, about it for about an hour on the phone which I think was very generous Mm -hmm. and uh, we got to the and I I had read his book at that point which they had recommended on Sam Harris's podcast it's called the beginning of infinity and um, which I think is absolutely mind-blowing I think it's a wonderful book Uh, everyone should read it who's interested even tangentially in those Mm -hmm. topics Um, and what happened then was I read the book I called him up and we talked about the different, I had written down a bunch of questions for him and we talked about the different aspects of the book. And um, one one of those things was artificial intelligence or he has he has a chapter in the book or a couple of chapters that kind of zoom in on um, artificial creativity is what mm-hmm. he calls it. And uh, so we talked about this and um, it got so exciting. I got so filled with excitement um, that, that I said, you know, we, we kind of hovered around the, the problem that we kind of know what it is, but we don't really know how to build it yet. And there's some open open questions. And so I said to him, you know, I really hope that we're gonna find, this, find out how to build this in my lifetime. And he's, he agreed, he was like, yeah, me too. But, and, and that kind of gave me so much energy and that, that was such a nice moment. That kind of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, and then, I mean, that was two or three years ago now and it stuck with me. And, um, and at some point I decided, well, I, If I'm going to do this, I have to do this now, I I just want to, I don't even know where this is going to go.
0: So so when you say do this, do you mean build it or just research it? I don't mean
1: build it. I I just mean learn it, learn about it, Mm -hmm. research it, um, um, spread the word about it too, Mm -hmm. because I I think there's some, I think you have to differentiate between what is called AI, which Mm -hmm. is something that's very actively being researched. And then there's the original thing that's now called AGI, artificial Mm -hmm. general intelligence, Mm -hmm which is the thing that Alan Turing used to mean when he, w- when he talked about the thing, which the original goal was to build something that can think and feel just like a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the industry has kind of moved away from that. And uh, I even claim that companies like OpenAI um, or DeepMind Mm-hmm. They, they say they're working on AGI, I'm gonna say they're not really working on it, they're mm-hmm. still working on AI, and in some ways those things are opposites.
0: Right, so let's, let's kinda like, uh, for the listeners that might not be familiar with artificial intelligence, they, you know, the the, the kind of the layman, the, the normal person might think of artificial intelligence of, you know, they might think of Siri, you know? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Or like they might think of like Cortana or like Alexa, yep. but is that wrong? Um, I don't think
1: it's wrong, The the lingo these days, mm-hmm. Has primed us to think in in those terms Um, um, but when it comes to the original goal um, it's just a different thing Mm -hmm. Um, so yes we have Siri and we have Alexa and we have you know uh, self-driving cars or not quite yet hopefully one day we will and we have um, master chess players that can that can beat the best plus Mm -hmm. chess human chess players in the world those we can consider artificial intelligence if we want to call it that that's fine it doesn't really matter what words we use but um, I wouldn't actually call these things intelligent. I mean, the thing, the reason, I've heard a couple of different definitions thrown out there for what artificial intelligence mm-hmm. is today. One is that, well, you don't have to quite explicitly program it. There's something happening at runtime, so it kind of teaches itself. Mm-hmm. And that is true to a degree, although all of the knowledge that could be created at runtime was kind of implicit, when the programmer built it, mm-hmm. and probably the source of the knowledge is still the creativity of the programmer. Mm-hmm. So what the goal is with something like AGI is that there's genuine knowledge creation happening at runtime, mm-hmm. and the it's qualitatively different in the way that it's not designed for a specific purpose, because mm-hmm. a master chess player AI mm-hmm. can only play chess. Right. There's some interdisciplinary stuff where I think, um, I forget if it was OpenAI or DeepMind or something, where they, they built, the AlphaGo Zero mm-hmm. player, and then they modified it just to, they tweaked it only a little bit and now it could play this this other
0: game too. Right. And so that's cool. So just to kind of, uh, so OpenAI is a project started by Elon Musk and some other guys Silicon Valley, now funded by Microsoft, yep. one billion dollars. DeepMind is Google. Uh, is that correct? Yes, it is now Google, yeah. They're yeah. in London, I think, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, just to kind of map out the. Yes, yep. So Microsoft is OpenAI, Google is DeepMind. That's correct, yes. Okay. Um, and then, so for example, is this just like, because I mean, you know, programming is if this then that, right? So like, is this just uh, high level automation happening at the moment with the current AI that we have it? Or is it?
1: I think, um, I think what's happening currently in AI is that people are writing software that has reached a certain level of sophistication mm-hmm. where it can now do things that today stand out as being something that only humans could do up until very recently. Mm-hmm. The reason I find that definition is problematic because technology has always been about doing something that only humans could do so that we don't have to do it anymore and we can focus on other stuff. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, what's interesting is coming out of open AI is for example, um, they built um, a really good text prediction system as mm-hmm. far as I can tell. And they're also building hardware that's really cool. They're building um, this hand mm-hmm. and it's really dexterous and they, they've worked on it quite a bit. Um, I think that's all really cool. It's just, ha- it has nothing to do with the
0: with the original goal of building a, a person. Right, okay, something basically an entity that can just create new things. It could create new things, mm-hmm. it would have
1: interests and goals, just like you and me. Mm-hmm. It would be conscious, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it could choose what problems it wants to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, we could ask it to work on some problems that mm-hmm. we find interesting. And it might do so, just like when you ask someone else to, you know, you can ask any person, hey, can you do this for me? They might say, oh, yeah,
0: well, yeah, sure. So what if but they this, might not? Yeah. How does it this? Uh, how does it choose what's a problem? How does it choose what a problem is? Yeah. Um.
1: I think you can split that question up if if, if you don't mind. The, yeah, the, yeah, of course. The, the first one is a prob. What is a problem? Mm-hmm. I'd say a problem is a conflict between ideas. Mm-hmm. So we're all born with inborn expectations and desires. When these when we're disappointed or when these expectations are dis are, are not fulfilled mm-hmm. that's a problem so a problem doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong or there's mm-hmm. some tragedy happening it just means that they're you know oh i thought i left the the water glass over here but i can't find it right, right, right. that's an expectation i had it and it's not true apparently mm-hmm. so that's a problem right um so now i can solve that problem now how do i choose whether or not i'm interested in this problem um i think it depends on existing theories i have about what mm-hmm. is interesting or not? Those are all conjectured. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just guessing what might be interesting or not. If I don't find the glass of water, I might not find it particularly interesting. Mm. However, an interesting problem might be, oh, there's a conflict between these two theories in physics. Mm-hmm. Those are two big ideas. There's a conflict between the two. That means at least one of them is wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe both are wrong, and we'd want to find out which one is wrong, mm-hmm. or maybe if both are wrong, so that we can then find something better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that gets us to the thing that I think is at the core of AGI development, or should be at the core Mm -hmm. of AGI development, which is how do humans decide Mm -hmm. what they find problematic? And then how do they solve those problems? And that gets us to um, the theory of what knowledge is Mm -hmm. and how knowledge grows. And so that gets us us back to the work of David Deutsch and by extension, the philosopher Karl Popper. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think really what AGI should be about, or at least right now, it's, it's mostly a philosophical endeavor. Because um, what what an AGI is, uh, w- or what a person is, mm-hmm. is a person is an entity that can solve problems in an unbounded, open-ended way. Um, and it can create new knowledge mm-hmm. in that way. And knowledge creation always starts with problems. Excuse me. And um, that's kind of what I think AGI should be focused, or AGI research should be focusing on.
0: Okay, and so, so, so your current, uh uh, stances that we're not we're again we're focusing more on uh just like replacing and outsourcing tasks that human have to do at the moment as opposed to creating new knowledge right exactly that's exactly right um so in that situation but wouldn't you say that that comes in in steps So maybe this is the first step focusing on these type of outsourcing more of our you know day-to-day activities and then we have time to focus on the other one because uh do we have, I mean, obviously, it's okay to start thinking about this solving this problem now, but do we have the, are we ready to start solving AGI and building AGI at the moment? Um, I mean, I think we're ready in the
1: sense that nothing's stopping us. Hmm. The only thing that's stopping us is, or th- there's nothing external that's stopping us. The only thing that's stopping us is that we don't have the right knowledge yet how to do it. Right. Um, so that's like a problem that we can choose to solve. Exactly. That's a problem we can choose to solve. Right. I don't think there's, I mean, it must be, po- there's some, Dwindling minority that's, that claims that it's impossible to build this thing that can't be true because nature did it somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it must be a possible physical process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have to find out how to do it um, When it comes to are we ready to do this in terms of is the industry ready for it? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think due to some misconceptions in the industry I think we have quite a bit of work to do to get rid of those misconceptions So then we can get more people excited about the topic again
0: I think it's also about aligning incentives, right? Cause like, for example, there's a lot of incentives, uh, in building, you know, like basically outsourcing a lot of tasks that we do not financial incentives, you can, cre- you can increase output, reduce costs on, you know, human labor. Sure. sure. Uh, so what are the financial incentives to work on AGI?
1: So the biggest finan- financial incentive I see right now, um, is, although we're, we're getting a bit into moral issues here, hmm. but we can address those, the biggest. Financial incentive I see is that if you, I think every software, every company that has that deals with software, which mm-hmm. is basically every company on the planet, right. every company that deals with software should be interested in building this thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because if we can build this thing, you don't need programmers anymore,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and programmers cost a lot of money. You right. can, you can simply tell the AGI, these are my specifications. Figure this sol- out. P- please solve this problem for me. Mm-hmm. Um, now the reason I, I hinted at some moral issues is that. If an AGI really is just like another person, Mm -hmm. forcing it to do something that it doesn't want to do is immoral. So my hope is that there is still a difference between a universal problem solver and something like a conscious entity that has feelings and emotions Mm -hmm. and preferences. Um, We don't really know yet how that works. It's Mm -hmm. quite possible that something like a universal problem solver automatically is conscious and has feelings Mm -hmm. and moral intuitions and so forth. My hope is that that's not the case, because mm. then what we can do is we can simply tell the AGI, here's my specifications, sort it out. Sort it out. Take me to the moon. And even if not, you know, an AGI might be someone you hire mm-hmm. and ask to do it. Right. And they might be able to do it for a lot better than, or they might, be do, they might be able to do it a lot better than current day programmers. Interesting, would you pay it? Um, I mean, if it's just like another person,
0: yeah, absolutely. What would it do with money? <laughs>
1: Um, that's a, that's on the whole other bag of worms, right? What do you do with your money?
0: I mean, I just you know trying to trying to eat food. You know, the first one is sustenance, right? Right. Trying right. to it's trying to stay alive. I think it pays for electricity, I guess. <laughs> right. It pays for like it pays for hardware pieces. I don't know. Would yeah. it even be hardware or? Yeah, th- that's a question. Like, is is the current like are are we limited by the current uh, hardware that we have in building AGI? Right.
1: That's a great question.
0: Um, my tentative answer to that is
1: no. I mean, there, there's a I guess there's parts to it. Um, the first question is, uh, do we have the right hardware and principle, let alone speed and memory? Mm. Um, the answer to that must be yes, because what Alan Turing did was he built computers that are general purpose.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what's interesting about computers, as, as we have them today, your phone, my phone, my my laptop at home, all these things that have the same repertoire. They can only differ in terms of memory and processing power. Mm -hmm. Um, What's so beautiful about the theory of computation is that the motions within the computer, the set of all possible motions within a computer, are in one-to-one correspondence with the set of all possible motions in the universe. What that means is any process that happens out there you can simulate on the computer. Mm -hmm. Um, That must mean we can simulate artificial intelligence, or right. artificial general intelligence. Um, so we have the requisite hardware to do this. The only thing that might hold us back is memory or processing power. Some people jump to that conclusion, I think, mm-hmm. or say, oh, well, we don't have it yet because our computers simply aren't fast enough. Right. The problem with that is, I think, well, we don't even yet know how to build it. Mm-hmm. So how can you judge that our computers are not fast enough? You right. know, if you go into a meeting, you work for a software company and, and, and your manager asks you to build a, a program, mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd be laughed at if you said, oh, but our computers aren't fast enough right. to do it, because what, what would they ask you first? Right. Why? Right. Well, what does that algorithm look like that right. it's right. so humongous that we can't run right. it on our computers, right? right? So, but even then, I, I can't, I mean, it depends on the explanation of how this right. thing runs first to know, but even then... I, d- I can't imagine that y- we have so much memory and, and processing power.
0: I mean, this, this, is, very f- this is very similar to uh, physics, right? Because a, a lot of theories in physics were developed before we had the technology to actually implement. Like, for example, you know, nuclear reactions and like splitting the atom and whatnot, right? Uh-huh. The people already kind of came up with the theories, and then you know, basically technology basically technology was built to prove or disprove the theories, right? <clears throat> That's right. And so I- this would be the same kind of situation. We have to build up the theories of what. This looks like? Yes. And then, you know, yep, validate or.
1: And that's not an accident because I think the reason that happens is before you can build anything, you need a good explanation of how to build anything. Right. It. It's very rare that we have sort of chance discoveries and things just kind of fall into place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. Usually you have to guess a good explanation of how it works mm-hmm. and then you can go build it.
0: Right. So yeah, because in this situation, if you're kind of, you know, if it's uh, actually a sentient be- being, does that mean that, okay, the question is, do all sentient beings have emotions? Um,
1: Cause is that that's, that's
0: one of the things we're worried about There's morality, right?
1: Right. Um, yes. I mean, one issue is if it has emotions, we could hurt it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we could induce pain. Um, the other issue is preventing, even if it doesn't have emotions per se, if we simply force it to go down a certain path where we, we coerce it to perform a specific task for us, right. Um, we're inhibiting its potential to correct errors um, and inhibiting the means of correcting errors is itself immoral um, whether or not there, there's necessarily a bad feeling behind it, it that, would be, that would also be bad but I think that's an additional um, thing we need to keep in mind you don't you don't want to y- yeah you don't want to inhibit the means of error correction
0: right so for example let's say you manage to create the artificial intelligence and it exists within a s- computer system, right? Mm-hmm. It's, let's say it can't move physically because it doesn't have the ability. Yep. So does that mean that you are now, you now have uh, electronic slave? Is, that, is, this, is this electronic slavery? <laughs> um,
1: that's a great question. Th- th- we should be worried about this right. thing. You, people worry about safety issues um, with AGI as it comes to humans. Mm. I don't really see an issue with that because it's just another person. Mm-hmm. So having Building an AGI is a little bit like having a child, mm-hmm. and yes, sometimes people grow up to be terrible people, mm-hmm. but usually that's not the case, and usually that has to do with peaceful error correction and giving that person the, mm-hmm. the you know, the tools they need and the ability to thrive and have mm-hmm. and live a great life, and then they just won't become a terrible person. Um, I think people, just like you're hinting at right now, I think people should be more concerned about safety and moral issues as it pertains to the AGI, mm-hmm. because... It might happen that we create this thing on a computer and then we just treat it like a slave because every program up till now has been built to a specification and we know exactly what it's supposed to do and then it just goes and does it. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna assume the same thing of an AGI and we're just simply gonna tell it, no, you're gonna do this Mm -hmm. because that's what we're used to. I think that would be a terrible thing to happen because AGI is simply not built for that purpose. AGI chooses its own purpose, just like you and I choose our purpose. In life. Right. Um, so
0: Well, sometimes, you know, <laughs> people get stuck in nine to five jobs because they need something. So what if the AI needs something? Oh, well, this is a pretty interesting moral dilemma, right? Because uh-huh. like, what if, you know, uh, the AI needs to exist yep. and the conditions for its existence is do what I tell you or you die.
1: Right. Um, I would consider that slavery. Yeah. Um, slavery. I would consider that slavery for sure. But... Um, yeah it's interesting to think about what would a day in the life of an agi be <laughs> would it just like because again it
0: would probably just within uh, let's say at the start it would most likely just exist within cyberspace right mm-hmm. so that means like it's just reading really reddit all day or <laughs> maybe it's watching porn all day i don't know maybe. would it even be interested <laughs> in porn would it create its own agi porn uh, <laughs> That is an interesting question. That's I mean, my, my comedian mind goes, through, oh, is this going <laughs> to, no, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. I wondered,
1: I've wondered too about physical concerns in general, mm. because yeah, like you said, an AGI, if it runs on a computer, um, I mean, that means it has a body, mm-hmm. which is the hardware of that computer, right. but, um, it, I wonder too, how interested it would be in physical things, right. um, and it might not be, I don't know.
0: It, so for example, let's say. If you let's say reduce its memory while it's conscious, does that count as giving it a lobotomy?
1: That would be problematic, yeah. You know, right, right. So,
0: like, are you, are you lobotomizing <laughs> your, you know, AI assistant?
1: Yeah. Do you extract knowledge irreparably, or do you? Yeah, that would that sounds problematic to me for sure.
0: Right. So in that situation, like, <coughs> you have to, you know, maintain it, uh, like maybe add more stuff to make it grow. Absolutely. Um, but like let's talk a bit more about like because okay let's say if it does exist in cyberspace mm-hmm. and it just works in this area most likely it becomes pro efficient in existing in cyberspace so i think one of the concerns behind uh the foundation of you know organizations like, such as open ai mm-hmm. is to prevent the ai from gaining the upper hand technologically and then deciding to you know right. pretty much hack all the nukes and bomb the fuck out of everybody yep if, that's that's in, in layman terms, that's yep. that's my <laughs> understanding of what Elon Musk was talking about. Right. Because, like, again, for those of that are not aware, like Elon Musk founded OpenAI as a preemptive move mm-hmm. to avoid the situation where, well, self-preservation, right? To avoid the situation where to avoid Terminator. Right. Pretty mm-hmm. much. So in that situation, like, what's the what are the risks there? Like, how do we kind of work with that? Like, self-preservation versus you know preserving the who comes first.
1: Right, um, <coughs> yeah, so the worry about the dangers of AGI is something that is, is very um, fashionable right now, mm-hmm. for sure. A lot of people talk about this. Um, it tends to be a thing in history, mm-hmm. generally. There, there's, uh, there's Twitter accounts that, that show old newspaper articles about mm-hmm. you know, how the bicycle was perceived when it was, was well, first well, invented, right. the dangers of the bicycle, and well, how it's gonna make people crazy. Right. Um, so people tend to have this negative outlook, and and are tend to be suspicious of mm-hmm. new technologies. Although generally, new technologies are great because they solve our problems, and otherwise we wouldn't even adopt them. Right. The worry here, I think, is that um, we, you know, maybe we built this. I forget the term that that Sam Harris uses sometimes. We built this this little demon in a box or something, mm-hmm. and once we build it, there's just no way to turn it off. Pandora's box. Pandora's box. Right. So. An- another another thing that Elon Musk, I think, is it or it might have been Nick Bostrom, um, I forget who it was. Um, there's this idea of super intelligence. Mm-hmm. So the the idea that the AGI is going to, you know, infiltrate all of the cyberspace mm-hmm. and then take over and then nuke everyone, is because it's going to do things so rapidly and it's going to do things so intelligently mm-hmm. that we can't even keep up. Right. Um, and that's because it's reached some kind of super intelligent level. Right. So the the picture that people invoke is that or the metaphor people invoke is that you know if we want to build a building Mm -hmm. and there's an anthill I mean the ants are not gonna we're not gonna care first of all and the Mm -hmm. ants are gonna die and the ants couldn't even hope to to understand what we're up to or defend themselves right Um, and so the idea is that we're ants to you know the super intelligent AGI Mm -hmm. now this can't be so uh, for for reasons that have to do with how intelligence works. Mm-hmm. Or, I should say, for, for reasons that were... Th- for re- th- so the, the comparison between ants and humans is correct.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ants cannot solve new problems. Mm-hmm. They can solve those problems for which their genes have given them the knowledge for how to do so. They can't prevent us from building a building up on their ant hill. Um, but humans are already general purpose problem solvers. For every possible soluble problem that exists in the universe, people can solve it. There's mm-hmm. no guarantees. They might not succeed. It might be really hard. They might fail. Mm-hmm. But there's no problem that is soluble mm-hmm. that can't be solved by humans, by people. So that's it. I mean, once you're at that level, mm-hmm. there's nowhere else to go. So it's, it's the same kind of universality, as I said, with, with computers. Mm-hmm. From that point on, the only difference can be speed or memory. So then people worry, okay, but okay, let's say it's, it's also a universal problem solver. Mm-hmm. It can solve all the problems that people can solve, but what if it does so you know, at the rate of 10 years a year? Um, I think that's a red herring too, because first of all, before the technology exists to do 10 years of thinking in a year, mm-hmm. there's gonna be the technology to do one year of thinking in a year. Right. And then we can still talk to it. Right. We can always talk to it, but so I think that's wrong. The other issue with it is there's already systems that do 10 years of thinking in a year. For example, a group of 10 people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So companies do this all the time. We're not worried about this. The companies do this in a coordinated fashion. There's hundreds of thousands of people working at big companies, working towards a goal. That's a good thing.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Speed of memory should be embraced. We should... This is a problem solver, it's not a bad thing. It's gonna solve problems and it's probably gonna share the solutions to those problems with us because they're interesting, mm-hmm. just like you and I share solutions to problems. So we should embrace it, we should protect it because it's most likely gonna be discriminated mm-hmm. and we should give it resources, as many resources as we can to support it.
0: Right. Okay, so in that situation, uh, cause I think you know, for us as humans, we're limited by our hardware, right? Well, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, once you get the chips in the brain, huh, 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 that's exactly what happens then you know once you kind of remove your hardware limitations, <laughs> are we limited by our hardware uh, i mean I, I think so at the moment i don't know like the speed of the speed of learning i guess ah uh, well like, for example like i don't know if you read uh i think it's called the uh, the talent code that's by i'm sorry th- the, there's a book called the talent code but uh-huh. i think it's called think it's or something okay where he talks a bit more more about like how uh, information is, is stored in the brain and there's these uh Neuron, uh, neurons are wrapped around by I think it's called mining, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the more uh, neurons, the, uh, an electric circuit fires through a neuron, the more this uh, mining wraps around the neuron, and the knowledge becomes permanent. Got it. Which is why you never forget how to ride a bike. Sure. So the idea is you need constant repetition so those circuits fire through your neurons, and then that substance gathers around the neuron and solidifies the information. Right. So in that context, we're kind of limited by you know much how fast we can kind of learn things right right at least for now
1: sure well
0: the, the reason
1: I, I i question whether or not we're, we're limited by our hardware mm-hmm. is because we've been extending our hardware capabilities through external technologies forever
0: yeah yeah so the, the idea is like you know even kidneys right they have like an expiration date or like just the body has an expiration date for now yep for now uh, so the idea is what if the uh you know ai uh agi starts developing much faster, much faster, much faster and gets to a point where again, it has to choose between the problem of, uh, expanding or maintaining Maybe it. Maybe needs, it needs just, it grows so much that it's particular hardware needs two planets mm-hmm. to, you know, basically store its consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then in that situation, like, okay, am I going to choose between, uh, self preservation for myself or protecting the human beings? Mm. So in that sense, like, you know, you have a problem, sure. you know, like, and this is what, again, this is like, a, the idea is like, which problem do you choose? Uh, extinction of human beings or self-preservation and again this is the same problem that happened like you could argue and I'm gonna be a, go a bit extreme with this like you know even like uh, Hitler he had a problem that he wanted to solve right? Sure. And he chose the how he decided that was a problem is you know is right. my process but right. what happens in that situation like are you confident that again this is like very far-fetched kind of worry uh-huh. but what happens in that situation?
1: Um, what happens in that situation I think first you'd need First, you would need a good explanation of why so much computing power is required that it would need to t- <laughs> to terminate an entire planet. Okay, well let
0: me let me let me rephrase the question. What about, for example, let's look at like Native uh, American tribes in uh, the U.S. Right. Right. You had they're particularly free people, you know, thinking at making like one decision that takes three days. You have a group faster, but then you know you have the, uh, the British colonial Americans came sure. in and they basically. E- Pretty much like put them in coordinates and stuff. Yep. Is that like does that make sense?
1: It does um, Though again, I'm not sure why we should assume going in Mm -hmm. that an AGI would have the this colonial mindset, right? Um, We're we're the ones who are building it, right? So it's gonna be part of our culture and part of our Western culture is air correction Mm -hmm. and Liberty and peace Mm -hmm. and and making sure that people prosper. Mm-hmm. It's going to be born with these moral ideas um, or it's g- we're, going to t- we're going to teach it these moral mm-hmm. ideas and it's going to make moral progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think something like that happening with, with AGI is just very unlikely. So,
0: okay, let's talk about the, um, the AGI race, right? Uh, the, the race towards uh, developing artificial intelligence. What happens when you have like America developing its particular form of AGI and in China or Russia developing its own particular... Because everybody instills their own values and culture uh-huh. within that particular AGI. What happens in that situation?
1: Right. What happens, what happens if Russia gets there first?
0: Yeah, what happens when what happens, you have like uh, American AGI versus Russian AGI versus Chinese AGI? Who's... What's looking ah, there? I see. That's a good question. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Because
0: again, they are... You know, they have a particular different set of, uh, you know, morals. And...
1: What happens if, if you're in a room with, with a Russian and a Chinese...
0: I mean, nothing bad happens. We're right. just kind of talking about <laughs> it, right. so, okay, this might happen, right? right. But um, you might have situations where, let's say, you know, some cultural values in Russia are different than some cultural values in the U.S. For example, mm-hmm. how open is the Russian culture to homosexuality, right? Sure. And that's just an example. Sure. Uh, versus the American culture, right? Uh-huh. What happens if I'm in a room with a Russian that is particularly uh, homophobic, let's say? Yep. And then uh, I'm not. I mean, obviously, we can engage in conversation. And I might be able to convince him, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he might also decide that maybe I'm a sympathizer and he wants to hit me in the head.
1: Right, right. That might happen, yeah. And yeah. um, th- there's another thing, th- there's another part to that question I find interesting, which is how, so let's say we're, we're considering this a race. right? And let's say we want to beat the Chinese right. and we want to build AGI first. I think it's actually very likely that the West, somewhere in the West, this is going to be born first, Mm -hmm. because the West has a crucial advantage, and that is the West embraces error correction, Mm -hmm. and the West embraces finding problems, rather than um, finding a particular ideology and trying to stick with it. Mm -hmm. The reason this is so important is because at the very core of AGI is error correction. Mm -hmm. It can't work otherwise. It has to find problems and then try to fix those Mm -hmm. problems and create new knowledge. So, I think the West has all the the requisite... um, It has the requisite ideology to make this happen, Mm -hmm. that I don't see... I should be careful here, I've never been to Russia or China, but um, as far as I can tell theoretically, they may not have the the cultural setup to do this Mm -hmm. successfully.
0: Okay, so so basically you're arguing that it's not purely... It's not purely a technological problem.
1: Correct, I think once we have a good explanation of how this thing works, Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be that hard to implement. Mm -hmm after all our genes did it somehow mm-hmm. it can't be that complicated mm-hmm. it's not probably landing a man on the moon was it's probably harder than building this that's mm-hmm. that's my that's my speculative guess here
0: okay so you 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 think that if we kind of like focus enough resources in it but is it like the resources that we need to kind of focus on this particular endeavor at the moment are they purely intellectual resources material resources or
1: I think, they're, I think they're mostly intellectual resources, yes. So, so you
0: want to get more people to start thinking how to actually come up with this?
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: Be, I think right
1: now there's, there's the field of, of Papyrian epistemology. Karl Popper was the philosopher who really made great contributions to the field of epistemology, which is the study of human knowledge and mm-hmm. how it grows um, and how it's created in the first place. This is what AGI is all about because it, it can create new knowledge at runtime, like I said. So we need to understand how it is that humans mm-hmm. come up with new knowledge in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's the question of epistemology. This is largely a philosophical effort. Mm-hmm. Um, peop- there, there's a problem with that, which is that people don't really like when they hear the term philosophy. Once they hear the term philosophy, they oh, you know, that's very theoretical. It's very kind of out there, far-fetched. But, but something something that Popper made sure to, to, to tell people is that no, there are yes there are those philosophers who just navel gaze and there's a lot of bad philosophy no doubt but there are real philosophical problems mm-hmm. that need solving one of those is how to build an agi
0: right i mean when it when, when it comes to the question of how do humans come up with knowledge right how mm-hmm. they create stuff have you ever read thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman? i have he has uh, he mentioned that i remember like this uh, particular part in the book where he says that uh, creativity is nothing more than an associative memory that functions really well Whereas basically, I put this glass with this phone, right? That comes up. Oh, it's not. I put this glass with this wallet. Oh, I have an e wallet. Right. So it's just like it takes stuff that already exists, mm-hmm. try to mash it together, and that's very similar because that's how comedy functions as well. You know, you uh, your mind is just generally uh, programmed to predict what happens next, and disrupting right. th- this, this, disrupting the flow, of the prediction is basically a joke, and you know, like it's subverting yep. expectations. Yep. And that's how comedy kind of happens.
1: Sure. Um, I think it seems to happen that way. Mm-hmm. Surely. Um, The problem that I have with this associative or predictive model Mm -hmm. of how the mind works is that who decides what counts as a valid association to begin with? Mm. So (laughs) there has to be some rule in our minds that we came up with first Mm. that then categorizes something as either belonging to Mm. an association or not. Mm. Um, Usually, there's an article by Douglas Hofstadter, too, that kind of, I think it's called, I forget, thinking by analogy or something, Mm -hmm. where he explores that very... Topic, right. um, and he goes, well, every all thinking is done by analogy. Well, again, who, how do you decide whether or not something counts as an analogy?
0: Right. And I mean, in that context, like a lot of basically just uh, again the predictive model. A lot of inventions come up as a it's not really predictive; it's an accident, right? Some are an accident for sure. Right. So yeah, majority. I mean, not majority, of them, like the I mean, at least in the past, a lot of stuff came up as an accident because like oh, mm-hmm. I came up with this, pretty mm-hmm. cool. Designed yeah. for one purpose, it works for something else. Yep. So yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, do you have any more uh, knowledge on how potentially you know, this, this idea of creation of knowledge happens? Or that? I'm not super, super familiar. Yeah, or absolutely.
1: Rather. I can talk about it all day. It's yeah, my favorite topic. Um, so the, up until Popper came, came along, the, the most, ex- and it might still be the, the most accepted idea to, to this day is that knowledge comes to us through the senses. Mm-hmm. So all we do is we observe the world and if we have a particularly clear or pure mind and we're, we're not trying to you know, impose our own ideas onto the world mm-hmm. and we're just letting it kind of come in mm-hmm. unfiltered, then we get a clear picture of how the world works and we just have to read the book of nature is is mm-hmm. one of the quotes. I forget who it said. Um, there's a problem with this and the problem is it can't be true because um, you don't even know where to look mm-hmm. and what to observe without some theory of what might be interesting to observe. Karl Popper, sometimes in his lectures, he would say, okay, just observe. And then he would wait until somebody asked him, well, what, <laughs> what are we supposed to observe? <laughs> so you already need a theory what? of what to observe to even look for something. Mm-hmm. So the theory always comes first. So this idea that knowledge comes to us through the senses, is called empiricism. Mm-hmm. And there's a very simple and elegant way, I think, to. To refute empiricism and that is that empiricism itself is not derived from the census mm-hmm. so it can't be true right people tend to dismiss that as <laughs> popper remarked once that there's nothing less desired than a simple solution to a philosophical problem <laughs> mm-hmm. because people will try to find their way around it and, and still marvel at how mysterious empiricism is anyway right but so this is so empiricism can't work and people had known this for a while. Um, Hume had found this problem and Popper solved this problem uh, this is known as the problem of induction okay. um, so the idea was that if you make repeated observations um, they will somehow support your theory right. where the theory comes from they didn't even address but it will somehow support your theory and then it will even if you can't prove it it will at least make it more likely but um, the problem that Hume showed is that well there's no amount of observations that will tell you anything about an observation that you haven't made Popper solved this by saying well we're not really after repeating observations and we're not really trying to confirm any theories What we're really trying to do is we conjecture a theory first. Mm-hmm. We just make it up. We guess it's right. not based on anything We don't have to support it We're guessing a solution to a problem. That's our theory and then we try to criticize it, right? We try to falsify it if we can't find any problems with it, and it's a good theory then we just keep it for now. We always keep it tentatively, it works for now. That's why for the longest time, Newtonian physics worked great Mm -hmm. because in its limited application on earth, it worked wonders, it had great reach. Um, But then later people found problems with it, even though thousands and millions of observations had supported it, right? So observation supporting something can't be the deciding factor.
0: You can make the same argument about Christianity. Mm. You know, works well. No problems, you know, it explains a lot of things. Sure. But then you start...
1: Ah, right, so there's another, there's a, it's interesting you bring that up, because simply conjecturing a theory Mm -hmm. can't be enough Mm -hmm. for that reason. Um, The reason I think religious or supernatural explanations are bad is because uh, David Deutsch made this discovery. He, He said there's an objective difference between a good theory and a bad theory. a good explanation and bad explanation Mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of taste Mm -hmm. it's not just a matter of subjective experience a good explanation is an explanation where each part of the explanation does its job and if you try to change any part of it the whole thing falls apart Mm -hmm. Um, usually when you have an explanation like well god did it um, you can simply replace god with angels or wizards and it still works the reason this is what David calls hard to vary. So an explanation is good if it's hard to vary, meaning it's hard to change it right. without breaking it. Um, the reason this is this is excellent is that um, reality is impossible to vary. It's exactly the way it is and no other way. So if you have something that's hard to vary mm-hmm. and then you replace it with something that's even harder to vary, that means you're getting closer to reality. Right. So this is a yardstick that tells us right. How much closer we're. we can we can never say how close to reality we are, and we'll never know when we've reached it. Probably so never. So you need an ultimate constant. What's but that? You, like is,
0: it, is this, uh, what, do you, what do you call it in uh, software development? Is a source of truth.
1: A source of truth.
0: Is that what it's called? I'm um, not sure. Like what it a database. You need a what was it called? Jesus uh, Christ. The real source of truth. The uh, sure. What called? Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, in in science and philosophy we just we never have right right, right. but you want to go for something truth.
0: that is as well as unvariable
1: right we want something that is extremely hard to vary because mm-hmm. that tells us that we're onto something right. there must be at least some truth right, right, right. in our theories if right. it's really hard to vary yeah
0: okay so like for example going back to agi mm-hmm. like how do we use that in terms of actually developing agi Right. So if we,
1: so this is more or less, although I probably butchered it in some ways, but this is roughly how people create new knowledge. They, they conjecture a solution to a problem. And then they try to criticize if they can't find any problems with that new theory, right. they just keep it for now. Right.
0: Come up with an assumption, try to disprove it, can't disprove it.
1: Exactly. Good Exactly. Enough. Exactly. And again, in the, in the, it's not just about the, the falsification part. It's, it's about coming up with good explanations. Right. Um, and we basically need to understand what how exactly that happens in detail like mm-hmm. what is the physical process that happens in brains or in our minds mm-hmm. that makes this happen um there's there's some questions you need to answer to to get to that answer one is well if it's all about creating new knowledge mm-hmm. how do you encode knowledge in computer programs right. what's the right data structure for that like what's the right data structure for an idea right. or for an explanation um that is one problem you need to answer Another problem is that you need to solve is the whole process of conjecture and refutation is literally an evolutionary process. Right. Um, so it has s- strict analog to random variation in biology and selection in biology. So this is great. This is really cool because it means that, oh, this program, this creative program that creates some knowledge in our minds mm-hmm. is a genetic program. It's an evolutionary algorithm. Um, the problem with existing evolutionary algorithms is that it, it, pr- it despite appear or contrary to appearances it probably hasn't really created new knowledge yet mm-hmm. the more obvious explanation is usually the creativity of the programmer who mm-hmm. built the program mm-hmm. um, so there's some work there to be done as well how can we actually simulate evolution in a program so
0: okay so let me I'm just thinking of uh, frogs right mm. so let's say a frog can have up to like Lays 100 eggs right? sure and then each particular egg has one genetic variation right uh-huh. and then eventually the one that is strongest survives and lays eggs with that particular variation encoded yep so does that mean that in order to develop AGI do we need a program that programs itself programs a 100 versions of itself with small variation that uh, again pro- programs another 100 version of itself with small variations until one
1: um, sort of that? yeah sort of like that I think the program itself would kind of be the umbrella program right this, this is the creative program um much like evolution in nature is kind of the, the right. umbrella term for everything that happens right. everything right. that happens in nature right. but every organism in nature i think would have its counterpart um, in the creative realm with particular programs that are supposed to be solutions to problems right. and then what it'll do is it'll conjecture you know a ton of candidate solutions right each with slight Right. mutations and variations right. and those that work better right will, win. will be kept and the other ones get deleted exactly exactly so there'll be some competition and there'll right. be survival and there'll be death
0: so in that situation is that moral because you're basically you're creating new uh digital species and then you are <laughs> deleting them right yeah well Did, so you see what i'm saying right you're creating new right. types of Butterflies, but then these butterflies don't serve the purpose that you wanted it to serve, so you're just deleting them. Uh-huh,
1: absolutely. Well, the ideas themselves—it's a good question whether or not we would consider them alive. Right. Um, yeah, you are you
0: creating digital genocide with every? <laughs> right.
1: Right. Um, there's some. There's some work to be done there, I think. Mm. I mean, I'm mean, I not. Mean, I mean, if, if no, no, no. It works. For those <laughs> absolutely. So <laughs> if we consider the ideas. And the explanations in our minds to be replicators, which I think is what they are. Right. Then
0: so we're gonna have to like wrap it up a bit because I Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you
1: have your next guest coming. Um, if we consider those things replicators in our minds, and um, we consider replicators per se mm-hmm. to be alive, mm-hmm. maybe it's immoral then again, you know, is it immoral to to step on a mushroom?
0: Just part of life.
1: It's <laughs> a part of life. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely moral to kill a person. Right. I would say it's immoral to kill a dog. Mm. It's probably not immoral to drink a glass of water and killing a bacteria in the glass of water. Yeah, correct. Right. I mean, there's. No and I, I would com- I would probably consider the ideas in our in our head to be more that kind of. Right. Um,
0: so yeah, maybe maybe that's the situation. Maybe it's just replicating the whole evolution cycle within the computers, where a the, the, the computer that yeah. just keeps programming. Right solutions to problems and then those yep.
1: in an open-ended unbounded fashion yeah, yeah and exactly. then see
0: what happens exactly maybe maybe contain it a bit or I mean to some degree when it starts reaching the maximum capacity then you know give it a larger petri dish yep
1: exactly give it more memory give it more processing right. power and give it what it needs do we just solve AGI <laughs> <laughs> I hope we made some prog- yeah. progress towards it yeah
0: Okay, I mean that was that was super interesting. we got gonna, unfortunately, we kind of vacate. We have to vacate the room soon. But did you have fun? Absolutely.
1: Thank I you think for that's, having me.
0: That's definitely level of origin. I think I learned a lot. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like, keep us. Is there anywhere where people can follow you or learn more about you or or, or the movement? Uh, yeah, the absolutely.
1: Research? Um, so you can follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, DC Hackathon. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: What's your podcast name? Uh,
1: artificial Creativity.
0: Okay. Artificial Man, these computers are coming for my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> coming for comedian jobs. Okay. Yep. Okay, awesome, man. That was, that was super insightful. And I'm uh, very happy we had the chance to do this. I Definitely, that counts within the sphere of Labrador energy. Awesome. It's intellectual Labrador energy. Great. Awesome. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You. And uh, looking forward to, you know, seeing what you have cooking up. Thank you very much. Guys, hey, this is uh, Dragosh. I want to let you know that you can sign up for my mailing list in order to get updates from me at dragoshcomedy.com. Just go there, put your name, your email, and I will send you updates whenever I'm up to new podcasts, new shows, or in your area. You can also find me on Instagram at Dragosh Comedy or Facebook Dragosh Christian Comedy. Thanks a lot and uh, catch you guys in the next podcast.